Welcome to Bookish Memories. Books are special. They can be the written words of your joy or the comforting hug for your sorrows. So put on your reading glasses, make yourself a nice mug of tea, and come join me down my memory lane full of books. Hello and welcome back to a special episode of Bookish Memories. As we are wrapping up 2022, I thought it'd be really proper to tell you about all the books I've read this year, and then give you a glimpse into my reading goals of 2023. It was it was kind of daft for me to you know make this reading goal of of this year like. It is the year 2022. I'm gonna read 22 books, and so I did. Which kind of even I am surprised at myself that I actually reached my reading goals, because I thought I would be I would just be like read like ten books and then oh yeah that was too ambitious for me to set my reading goals at twenty two books, but I did, and I'm quite I'm quite proud of myself to be honest, and so. I think I might want to read more than that in the next coming year, especially since I will be like I'm in my final year of university, and then I will be graduating in June next year. And so I think it is if I if I set a reading goal, I think that's a kind of promise to myself that I will be keep I will keep on reading and learning. And keep that momentum of of the joy of reading and learning new knowledge, even when I am out of the academics, because I think a lot of books that I have read this year are to do with my degree, and so I don't want to have that taken away, even when I'm at work. When I go out. Venture out into the real world, as people used to put, like as people often put it. I want to still be doing things I like and like I have passion for, and so the reading goal is a kind of promise to myself. And you will be keeping me accountable. Like someone said it to me. I think it's yeah. I think it's one of my one of the friends I made in England. By telling someone else about your goals, about your dreams, about the things that you want to achieve, that you are, you will, it will be easier for you to reach that goal eventually because you are kind of, you kind of have other people holding you accountable for that, and I think I guess this is what I'm doing right now. But first, I will talk you through、um, all of the books I've read this year. It is slightly ranked, but not. I'm not putting them in like the exact order of, like from my least favorite to my favorites. But it is definitely, uh, there's definitely a, a trend in that sort of. From I will be talking through like, the books I, not like as much, and then through to definitely my favorites, my top of the year. And because I want to talk、uh, about them more in depth for future episodes, I won't go into too many details of them. But I will tell you what I like or dislike about them. And so here they are. 
the 23 books that I read in 2022. First of all, Persuasion by Jane Austen. I think I'm kind of like, oh, I'm an English major, so I have to read all of this, all of these literary figures, like all these literary giants or the works by these literary giants. But I just can't seem to, I just can't seem able to read Jane Austen. Like I dislike the idea of romance being like the major plot of the novel, and I feel that that is maybe the reason why I don't like Jane Austen. So persuasion, I read it for my module, and I just don't. I just didn't get it. I can analyze it from the critic level. I can analyze the literary devices used in it, and I can analyze the character, the trend, kind of transformation of the characters, what they've been through, and what are the meanings in them. But I just, it just didn't move me as a person. And、so、I will try to. Read more of Jane Austen next year, so that is part of my reading goal. And then I have Idols of the King by Alfred Tennyson. I also read this for my、uh, module in Durham. It was、uh, Arthurian literature. So this is a rewrite of the Arthurian legend. Well, it's not appropriate to call it a rewrite because it's kind of it's mythol it's mythological. So it's been. Told and retold many many times throughout history, and this is just one of them. It is very slow paced and written in kind of epic poem form, so it's kind of hard to get into it. And like I said, it's kind of written for the sake of writing, but I just feel like Idols of the King it features. A lot of literary devices that you have to get through to the core of the issue, so that makes it less accessible to me, at least. And then I've got Normal People by Sally Rooney. This is actually at a recommendation of one of、uh, of a former roommate of mine in Durham. She said that Sally Rooney's writing is like Marmite in Britain. You either like it or you hate it, but I kind of sit in the middle. I like the way she writes. I like her nar- narrative style, but just the core issue of her novels, like sex, it's not what I am drawn to. Like, it's just not part of what I would want. It's just not part of um my struggle, if you can, if you can put it that way. Like. People when when I think teenagers when they come first to realize their sexual desires or whatever, they will have this this stage where they're really awkward about that. But I just never had that. I don't think this novel is interesting to me in the sense that Sally Rooney has a leaning towards communism and she writes that into the characters. I find that very interesting, and I like her narrative style. It's very appealing. It could it can pull you into the world of the novel itself, and I like that about her work. And then next, I have the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. I also read this for my module,、uh, Victorian literature. I found the ending very very shocking, and it kind of I just I don't think I ever detest a character that much, and I think that is exactly what. 
Oscar Wilde has done so well with this novel, like creating such a depictable character in the novel. And I'm not sure if it's a novel or a novella, but it's very interesting to see the um, like reading it with its historical context that it is fantastical, like turn of the century, and so you see a lot of like kind of like decay, the the theme of decay in that novel. I just find it really interesting that I would dislike a character that much, and in that sense, this novel is very intriguing. Then I have Clara and the Sun, written by Kazuo Ishiguro. Many many people have recommended this to me and have loved this novel, but I don't think I like it as much as other people do. It maybe has to do with the story being uh, narrated by an AI, and so there's always this barrier in between the reader and the emotions of the characters. It, it feels very distant, and lots of the times the conversation or like the um, exchange between the characters feel very forced for the sake of the plot, and I don't necessarily enjoy reading that kind of um, story style. But I still like the fact that it reflects um, the depth of humanity. And that is the one of the key themes of the novel. And then I have Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. I started reading this because a new TV series came out around December last year. And it starred David Tennant as the main character. And I watched that series and then went on to read the novel. I think I definitely read this as a child in a translated edition. But I did not notice how much of um like the I was not aware of the historical background of it. And so it was during set in Victorian times and travelling around the globe meaning traveling to different colonies of Great Britain, of British Empire. And I think that is a very interesting take if I analyze more on that. And I think I'll probably reread that next year, just for the sake of better understanding the historical context of it. And next I have Loveless by Alice Osman. I cannot express how much this novel has done for me in a way in in the sense of my own identity this novel features a um a romantic a sexual person that uh their journey of coming from a place where they feel very awkward around romance and sex and then realizing and then getting more and more comfortable about themselves also, it is set in Durham University, where I was at that time. The novel is very special in that sense, but also special in the sense that it helps me figure out my own identity. And I have Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Also, because I watched the um, the TV series by, I, I think it's on Amazon Prime. And it's just, it's just, it's just a very entertaining novel, and you can see the 
British so-called British humor in that novel so much. I like the different ending of the TV series, but I also like the、um, kind of the narration style of this novel. It's not only entertaining, but also it has a different take on the、um, traditional ideals of Christianity of being good and evil. It reverses that kind of idea about what good and evil it is. It's not like not everything is black and white, and you can see that from the、uh, the devil as a character. And I want to talk more about that when I do a proper episode on it. Next, I have Doctor Who: The Ruby's Curse by Alex Kingston. By this point, you might think of me as a as a fan of David Tennant, and yes, I am. Doctor Who is the longest running British television show. It falls in the genre of sci-fi, and it features this main character called the Doctor, and they have this time machine called the TARDIS, where they travel around with their human companions. Through time and space, and then fighting off aliens, despite the Doctor being an alien himself. This novel is written by、uh, Alex Kingston, who plays River Song, the main character, one of the main characters of、uh, the fifth till the seventh series, and also have appearance in the fourth and. Uh, I think some other Christmas specials later on. It's just such a brilliant idea. Like River Song's relationship, I feel like if I talk more about River Song, it will reveal like major plot of the TV series, and I don't want to spoil anyone who haven't who hasn't watched that. And so let's just put it the simplest way: if you have read a book called the Time,、uh, the Time Traveler's Wife. It is exactly the relationship River has with the Doctor. It is such a heart-wrenching love story, and you'd weep for them. Kind of star-crossed fate, to quote Shakespeare. And then I have a non-fiction, which is kind of unusual of me. I don't usually read non-fiction because I'm more. I find it harder to read non-fiction than fiction. I just, I just have a liking for stories, but this one. No one is too small to make a difference by Greta Thunberg. I transitioned into kind of like a vegan diet in、uh, earlier this year. I still sometimes eat、uh, dairy and eggs, but I stay off meat for. I have stay off meat for quite a while. I am very very inspired by Greta Thunberg of how her being. Despite being autistic and still being able to step out of her comfort zone and do something for the greater good, there are a lot of podcast episodes out there that are interviews with her, and I I just find them generally so inspiring. And this book is a collection of the speeches that she's made over the years, and it will just get you kind of it will fuel you with this sense of. Um, passion that you want to do something to help save the planet, and I think it's a very important read in our time.
Then I have a very very different book called The Good Soldier by Ford Maxford. I read this for my modern literature module. I have never read anything like it because the main character, like the narrator, is is such unreliable that you you cannot distinguish between the truth and the lies within his narration. That is the most interesting bit about the novel, I think.、Um, other than that, I find I at first I thought I would be most intrigued by the Victorian period, but then as I read more books of the modern period, I just find the works from that time very very intriguing, and I want to read more from that era, and so that's what. I'm hoping I do next year. Next, I have "Death and the Penguin" by Andrei Kirkov. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but I bought this book at the time when the Ukrainian war first broke out, and this book I think was written some time ago. And it's devastating to think that what is depicted in the novel is still happening. In today's world, years after the book first came out, I cannot talk about the title without revealing the major plotline. I just think it's such a nice twist of the novel, but I find the but I find the English translated edition a bit、um, a bit hard to read. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because of the Original style of the author, but but a lot of times the narration feels very fragmented and grammatically weird. But also, but I think that also creates a kind of eerie atmosphere for the novel. And I would strongly urge you to read this novel if you haven't already. Then I have *To the Lighthouse* by Virginia Woolf. I. Put off reading this one for so many years. When I graduated from middle school, my homeroom teacher Vivian gave me a copy of *To the Lighthouse*. I read a few pages of it and just put it down. I was fourteen. Of course, I couldn't make sense of the novel. And when I read it at the age of twenty-one, I don't. I still don't think I make. I made. Make a lot of sense out of the out of the novel because I read this again for one of my modules. I have to decipher the themes and the keys, the the key themes in the novel. So I went online and and found a YouTube video to help myself to better understand the the story. There were just these YouTube comments that made me cry so hard and. There was one scene before they went to the lighthouse. It was just a very, very domestic scene where it features all of them dining together at the dinner table. But in between the time of the war, where it's depicted by the house wearing down, after that, the cast is not the same anymore. And and that person just wrote something like, "It's really sad that the family." Knowing that the family will never be the same again, and 
At that time, I was all alone in a foreign country, and that hit me so hard. Of course, I was enjoying myself at the time, exploring myself, doing new things for myself. But there was always this nagging fear that something's gonna happen to my family, and I will never, I will not be able to get to them in time to help them or even say goodbye. That hit me very hard, and to lighthouse, of course, being a classic, it's something that will get you thinking again and again and again. So I think I will read this again next year to see if I can better understand it. Next two, I've got、uh, the convenience store woman and medium. These two I read in Japanese.、Um, side notes: I understand Japanese, but not. As fluent as、uh, I am in English, but I can do everyday conversation and like. But my major major mo- motif for learning Japanese is to read the the novels in the original language. So, convenience store woman. I think it is known by a lot of English speakers.、Uh, it is written by Sayaka Mur-、uh, Sayaka Murata. It's really weird reading it in an English accent. So, Murata Sayaka. That is how it's supposed to be pronounced in in Japanese. So anyway, this um, I think the main character might be autistic, and it's really an inter- interesting take on what we view as normal and perceive as a kind of rules that need to be applied by the main character. It makes you see the world from a different perspective. In a way that seeing the world through her eyes, you'd kind of question why the world is how it is. Um, and then the next one, medium, um, is part of the series of Day by Tante Jozka Hisi. A new TV series came out earlier, like. Uh, a month or two back, featuring my favorite Japanese actress as the main character, and so I decided to read the novel before I started watching the series. And so I bought the novel, completely mind blown. At the end, it just it just featured such a great plot twist. And I love, love, love that about the author、uh, Aizawa Sako. I cannot talk, and a lot of people will tell you this if they have read this book. They will tell you that any discussion will reveal major spoilers. So I am hoping that this book will be、uh, translated into English and can read reach more people. But I like this book for its. Purely for its entertaining elements of it and the kind of wits of mystery novel, I just haven't had that in a long while. Like I said in a Sunny and Scarlet episode, that I haven't read mystery novels in quite a long while, and it's really nice getting that kind of excitement back I had as a kid when I when I had such an aspiration for mystery novels. Next, I have Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander, which is actually written by J.K. Rowling. 
I know a lot of people have grudges against J.K. Rowling of her comments about um trans women. I kind of want to separate the author and the works because I I know I still enjoy Harry Potter and the um related fandom or like stories of that and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is one of it. I rewatched the film this year and decided to um read the original book, which I was surprised to find out that it wasn't actually a novel, but as a really interesting like it's an encyclopedia of magical beasts, which is very very interesting because that was not what I was expecting when I got the the book. So it features the A to Z. Guidebook of Fantastic Beasts, and it features some of the uh, ones that appeared in the Harry Potter franchise and ones that appeared in the Fantastic Beasts fran- franchise, and ones that are I find, but ones I find really intriguing are the ones that are mythological creatures that already have, for example, unicorns and dragons. These kinds of um, mythological creatures that can be sort of rewoven into a, a magical realm. And the next one we I have "Quidditch Through the Ages" by Kenilworthy Wisp, which is um, actually again actually written by J.K. Rowling. It's really interesting getting to know. The history behind the magical sports, and it's also very interesting that how much it resembles football in the Muggle world.、Um, so, because most of the famous teams or like the ideas of the development of Quidditch is very very European, which kind of connects to football because. When listing the、uh, countries that participate in this in this game, Japan is the only Asian country that is listed among the the countries in Asia. Certainly, when it comes to football, Japan is what a lot of Westerners would think of when talking about Asia. So that is interesting. And then I have Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. No more needs to be said about it. If you want to. Know more about my thoughts on it. Listen to the episode, and then I have the Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Again, listen to the episode. <laughs> no, I mean these two give these two novels are kind of one of my kind of my frequent revisits, and so I definitely think I will be rereading them next year, and. As I reread *The Fault in Our Stars* again this year, I like right after I did the episode, I noticed new things about it, like how much Hazel and Gustus resemblance Romeo and Juliet, just by the fact that、um, I think in, in first or second chapter, Augustus mentions that he wants to see Hazel again tonight, but he has to re- resist or. Puts his urges off, and that is exactly what Romeo says to Juliet in the Shakespearean play. And also in another chapter, 
one of the、uh, one of the quotes from Julius Caesar, the play written by Shakespeare, is quoted about how humans have control over fate, or whether fate kind of everything is predecided and and says that humans cannot have anything. Uh, humans have no power in changing that, and that is, I think, where John Green got the title. Maybe next year when I reread it, I would do a kind of like revisit episode of it, just because I find new things to talk about every time I reread this novel. And then I have The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. I bought this novel, well, actually Kindle version of this novel, in the time when America passed the new abortion law. I thought it would be like a fit timing to finally read this book that a lot of people have praise for, but then I put it off. Like I read it,、uh, I finished reading it a month or two back, and I I think it's one of the few dystopian novel that I read. Another one I think is Hunger Games, the this Hunger Games series when I was younger. I just find it so reflective about how. We view the human body, the women's especially, and the power structure between men and women. And seeing that plays out in the novel is the key to understanding the dystopian aspect of it. And then I have a man called Uwe by Frederick Backman. I made a friend in Durham who is from from Sweden, and that just inspired me to read Swedish novels. But of course, I read it in、uh, a translated edition. This book had me crying so hard. Like I know, I I've said it. I am very emotional. I cry very easily while I was reading it. It just reminds me of my grandpa so much. The kind of stubbornness in the character and I, the persistence of the kind of unfairness that's been thrust upon him. I just find that so that aspect so similar to my own grandpa, and it was really nice, kind of seeing things from his perspective, knowing why sometimes that he say cer- certain things to me. But also the ending, it's it's very emotional, but also hopeful. And I don't want to spoil you the fun of reading it. But when I do the episode, I will definitely talk about the ending. And then I have my top two. Like these two, they have now become my favorites. I have Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Morrison and Hamlet by Maggie O'Farrell. Sorrow and Bliss, I feel like it's a kind of coming of age novel for the adults. I want. I really want to go in depth into this for like develop developing it into an episode. But I will. All, so I will only briefly talk about is that a lot of times we feel these unf- misfortunes in our life and we victimize ourselves and feeling like we are the only ones going through all these miseries and we just and we just want someone to hug us and. Hold us tight and tell us that everything's going to be all right, but that is not the kind of attitude or a kind of mature person would be adopting. Because 
Because as one of my heroes, Greta Thunberg, has put it, that hope is not something given to you. Hope is something that you need to create. It's a verb. And so you have to go out there and create hope for yourself rather than just sitting there and sulking and hoping that someone else will come to you and give you hope. I feel like that is the main, that is the key theme of Soren Bliss. And then this will, like the Voltenar stars, this will probably stay on my top list for a very long time now. Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. It's a rewrite in a way of Shakespeare's life. But as my favorite booktuber, Jack Edward, puts it, it is in the novel, you don't see Shakespeare. You see him as the father, as the son, as the husband. It's a very interesting take on this great, great giant in English literature. But he is so much as a shadow in this novel. You see him from the other people's eyes in his life. And the tragic elements of it is just so great. It will, quote from Jack Edwards, shred your heart into little pieces. But what I like about this book so much is that when you read the narration, it's very poetic and it reflects a kind of the Shakespeare's sonnets themselves and then a lot of times I feel like I can see the resemblance to the lines from the plays and also the author done such a great job as bringing Shakespeare's birthplace and the life the the, the surroundings that he grew up to life because I actually had the chance to go to Shrapper-upon-Avon and the description is really point on like it's it's really really well done in giving the readers a sense of how Shakespeare's homes looked like the author has done such a great job on that and so here we are 23 books I read in 2022 I will give you a bit of insight into what I want to read in 2023 when I type all of them down I found that I actually exceed 30. So 30, the number 30, will be my reading goal in 2023. I haven't read this book, so I can't give you much details into what they are about, but um, I will just say why I want to read them. So first of all, the rest of the Harry Potter series, as I have read the first one this year, I want to reread the, the other ones again. The Road to Little Dribbling by Bill Bryson. It features a very small uh, chapter on Durham, and I think that would be really nice revisiting the place through a book. Pride and Prejudice by Jen Austen. As I said, I want to f- kind of force myself to read Jane Austen and form a full perspective, like a rounder perspective, after I actually read uh, more books of her. Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, uh, Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte, um, because I want to read more classic next year. That is one of my goals. Falling Upwards, the inspiration for the major motion picture The Aeronauts by Richard Holmes. I've had that for ages and I just want to 
take that off my TBR list. Now we are 600 by James Goss. So next year would be Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, and so this is a collection of poems written、uh, about the show, and I I just feel like it's a very fitting read of the time of year. The Power of Now by Hector Tolle. Aside from my reading goals, one of my New Year's resolution would be kind of better understand myself and have a better mental health state. And so I think the Power of Now can help me to be more present and learn about myself, of in terms of worrying and having anxious thoughts. How to be a Stoic. It is part of the Penguin Great Ideas collection. Again, I think that will help me. Uh, reach a better mental health state.、Uh, small gases, big effect. This is climate change,、um, and the climate book by Greta Thunberg. I want to read more about the climate change. I want to better inform myself on this issue so that I could have a full understanding of it. Scoff by Pen Vogler. I think it's、uh, a book about the history of. Food, especially in Britain, I think that would be really interesting to read. And again,、uh, another nonfiction, a short history of England by Simon Jenkins. I think that would help me not only to better understand、um, the historical context of the novels I read for my modules, but also just I want to get a sense of the history of England. The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett, recommended to me by one of my friends. Uh, Love and Color by Bula B- Babalola. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the author's name right, but it is recommended by Jack Edwards on his channel, so I want to read that. The Wolf Den by Elodie Harper. It is set in ancient Roman, and so that is major, the, mainly the reason why I want to read it. The Cicero Trilogy by Robert Harris. I have a weird kind of. Not obsession, I'd say, but I really, I'm really intrigued by this figure, Cicero. Like he was such an important figure, but is so glossed over when talking about ancient Roman history. People often think of Julius Caesar, but then Cicero is such an important figure, but so little. But people know so little about him, and I want to,、um, kind of know. I want to know him better. And then Northerners: A History by Brian Groom. As I spend a year in Durham, I want to know more about the、um, northern part of England because that was that was where I was staying, of course. And then this is Vegan Propaganda by Ed Winters. As I said, I kind of transition into a semi-vegan diet, and so I want to kind of keep that momentum going. By reading this nonfiction book, *A Terrible Kindness* by Joe Browning Rowe, I just I'm just very intrigued by the blurb of it, and I want to read it. *The Red of My Blood* by Clover Stroud, I lost my grandpa on my mother's side、um, three months before I flew to Durham, and I think sometimes I sometimes I feel like I'm still. Processing the grief of it, and I feel like this novel may be able to give me insight into that. *Villette* by Charlotte Bronte,、uh, again a classic. 
selected letters of Cicero. Like I said, I want to know more about Cicero as a figure. Great expectations by Charles Dickens. Again, I want to read more classics. All of William Wordsworth's poems. I love William Wordsworth. Like he is the poet that got me into poetry, and I just feel like I haven't read enough of his poems, and so I want to read the full collection next year. That is probably one of my most ambitious goals. And then the Grassmere Journal and Alfredston Journal. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. By Dorothy Wordsworth. I actually went to the Dove Cottage and saw an exhibition about Dorothy Wordsworth and how much she hasn't she had an impact on William Wordsworth's works, and so I want to know more about her personally. And if I remember correctly from the exhibition, she walked eighteen miles a day, and the history. Mentions her so little. She's such an aspiring woman as her own person, and then being able, I feel like she's overshadowed by her brother, and so I want to know her more through her journals. Christopher and His Kind by Christopher Ishworth. I have this on my TBR forever, and I just really want to take that off. The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, I read Clara and the Sun this year, and so I want to read more of his more of his books to know that whether the um the awkwardness I feel in Clara and the Sun is purely his narration style or just the novel itself. All the Lights We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr is set in a wartime, and so. Given current state of the world, I want to read more novels in that context. Petri Maros by Edward Saint Aubin. I also again I have that on my TBR for ages, and I want to take it off. And two two thing, uh, two books that I will probably reread again, other than Harry Potter and um, The Fault in Our Stars and Hamlet. Is no one's too small to make a difference by Greta Thunberg and Loveless by Alice Osman. I think no one's too small to make a difference will kind of, will help will hold me accountable. That kind of why I went vegan is because I want to minimize my impact on the climate, and so I think that will serve as a kind of reminder, and then also um, remind myself to. Remind myself of the fact that I cannot just sit around and have hope given to me. I need to go out there, do things, and create hope myself. And lastly, Loveless. As I said, I spent a year in Durham, and this novel is set in Durham University. And so I think whenever I miss Durham, I will probably reread this novel. That brings us to the end of this special episode. I'm sure for a lot of people. And of course, for myself, 2022 has not been a great year. There are a lot of ups and downs, and there are life lost, tears shed, but also there are small pleasures and joy dotted throughout all those dark times. And that is the kind of attitude I want to bring into 2023. Though a bit late, happy Christmas and happy New Year. I hope 2023 will be a good one for you. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. 
If you want to know more about the book that I talked about, follow me on Instagram at bookish.memories. All letters are lowercases. Now put on your reading glasses, maybe make yourself a nice mug of tea, and enjoy your next good read.